Welcome to Lamenting Leafs. I'm Cam. With Nick today, we'll link up with Keith again after the holidays, uh, which may have you saying, Cam, it's January 2nd. It's after the holidays. Well, it's Queen Josie's birthday, <laughs> the most important holiday of all. So, uh, very happy birthday to Josie. We'll, we'll catch up with Keith again soon. Uh, Nick, from the pictures I saw of your Christmas, I tried counting all the uh, Pokemon stuff under your tree, and I had to stop when I ran out of fingers. Uh, how were the holidays, bud? Uh, the holidays were really good. Uh, the girls obviously got spoiled by not only us, but everyone else in the family and a few outside the family. And yeah. And Santa. And of course, the, yeah, Mr. Claus made his appearance as well. Uh, but the, the amount of Pokemon stuff is like overwhelming. Both kids are just totally obsessed with it right now. I think it's bigger than it ever was, like back with a vengeance. And uh, yeah, it's it. pretty it's pretty cool, actually. You know, it's something that brings me back to my childhood. I can, you know, get into the video games with the kids and, you know, sorting out the cards and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Managed to get out on the ice with the girls one time and you know sling the puck around with my oldest daughter so that was really cool and nice. yeah just a, a lot of great food good company and uh yeah enjoying the holiday season aside from you know a certain hockey result earlier today but we'll get to that <laughs> a little bit later uh, yeah. how was your holidays man good it was really good yeah much of the same lots of lots of food lots of good food uh got some lobsters on new year's eve keeping your industry <laughs> pumping you know nice um, drive that price up yeah yeah no the pokemon resurgence uh, you know it reminds me of 20 minutes ago when i was playing pokemon go while walking my dog uh yeah yeah i've got like we're driving around with my oldest like using my fiance's phone on her pokemon go account like we're carting her around to stops to collect supplies and she's hunting for pokemon all over the place it's yeah That's it's great. definitely been fun so uh it's been a month since we recorded uh uh, but let's just let's engage in a little thought experiment here. So let's pretend that we put out an episode a week since then. <laughs> Might be stre- stretching the limits of the imagination here. I know. Uh, bear with me. But I, I think um, we probably would have started every damn one of them talking about the goaltending. Uh, our, yeah. our last episode was very Joe Wall centric. Uh, two games later, he got hurt, and it has been a fucking roller coaster. Since then, uh, culminating in the waving and demotion of Ilya Samsonov this week after he allowed 11 goals on 40 shots in his last two appearances. Uh, so let's start there, Nick. Uh, Your reaction to uh, Samsonov heading to the Marlies to start the new year? Well, I mean, before the season, I had predicted that Joseph Wall would take over as the starter. And, you know, most of that was based on my belief in Joe Wall and just, you know, kind of concerns about Samsonov being able to replicate the season he put together last year. But I don't think anybody would have imagined it would go just this poorly for Samsonov so far this season. He's, you know, he's had one of the worst starts uh, for a goaltender in the salary cap era. Like through 15 games, he's rocking an 862 save percentage. That's just it's hard to believe that you know there just aren't a few more pucks hitting him and staying out of the net but it, it just it became an untenable situation and you know credit to the Leafs for trying to stick by their guy and trying to put him in good spots to to be able to find his game and regain some confidence but it just wasn't happening and it seemed like the ball was just rolling down the hill faster and faster and it's certainly not an ideal situation with Joseph Wall on the shelf and you know Martin Jones is what he is at this stage of his career but you just couldn't 
afford to run Samsonov out there any longer. Like it, you look at some no, of the advanced it was situation metric. critical, man. It, it, yeah. No, he couldn't it, like pucks are literally going through his glove. He looks completely broken, like in terms of his spirit and overall confidence. He just hasn't had it at all at any point this season. And you, you look at some of the, the deeper numbers, the advanced stats, and he's, Right at the bottom in terms of uh, expected goals or goal save above expected, he's allowed something like 13 and a half goals more than expected at this point in the season. And you kind of like break that down and it, it works out to him costing the Leafs, you know, upwards of six to eight points already in the standings this season. So, I mean, it, say what you will about the advanced numbers and there's a lot of nuance that goes with that, but it, it's not hard to imagine that the Leafs would be, you know, right there with the Bruins for the top spot in the Atlantic Division had Samsonov been even close to average this season you know, you know like you'd take an 890 895 out of him at this point and it's just yeah. it's it's been nowhere close whatsoever yeah that's it like even you don't even need a 900 that's what I was going to say like you know yeah. just just a, a bit below and the, the record looks markedly different I, I would think I, I didn't think I'd be going here right off the top but just keep talking about this has me thinking do we do we owe Steve Briere an apology? I, I, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. The last couple of years have not exactly, uh, uh, you know, it, it's not like it's it's turned around greatly in, in his absence. Uh, Might have gotten a little bit of undue flack from us for, for a few years there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think anyone who's been in a position as long as he was in his and you know, <laughs> everyone thinks back to that moment from the uh, all or nothing Amazon series with, with Keith kind of. <laughs> dressing them down there a little bit uh, when they were viewing a couple of the goals that had gotten through Freddie Anderson. But yeah, no, I, at this point it's, it's definitely gone beyond, you know, what he brought to the table as a goaltending coach. And, but it, the Leafs really just need to find someone who's going to be able to give them saves on a consistent basis. And, and they don't even need to be spectacular. They like Martin Jones has come in and been, you know, mostly solid and what does he grade out as at this stage of his career? You know, a, a average to slightly below average NHL goaltender and you know, grizzled even, journeyman. Yeah. And j- just the contrast between how he looks in the crease and the games that he's given the Leafs compared to what Samsonov has done this year and the way that he's looked completely lost uh, in just about every start he's had. I, I think that speaks volumes. And, you know, the Leafs are going to be just trying to tread water here until Joseph Wall gets back. Yeah, and hopefully that's sooner than later. Uh, Leafs have now lost five of the last six heading into the California road trip. Uh, they're in Los Angeles tonight. Uh, it, but it's kind of hard to even separate the team's performance from the goaltending, right? Like It's just been that bad. Like you said, Martin Jones has given you some good outings, but you just don't know what you're going to get from him game to game, right? So now Dennis Hildeby comes up. Uh, like, Where do you see this going as far as the, the split between now and when Wall returns. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see uh, because, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that this is not the ideal scenario for the Leafs. Um, Hildeby is just getting his feet wet in the American Hockey League this season. So, you know, you, you never want to be rushing a young player to the NHL, especially a goaltender. Uh, but he's he's kind of a unique case too, right? Like he went through the draft three times before the Leafs ultimately traded up and nabbed him in the fourth round uh, in 2022. And they immediately signed him to an entry-level deal. Uh, he had already shown to, to be a solid goaltender in Sweden's top pro league, had another strong season over there last year. And he's been arguably the best Marley 
all season long. And uh, you, you look at his numbers and just what he's been able to do in a limited sample size down there. Combine that with the physical attributes. Like the guy's six foot seven, two hundred and forty pounds. He's already twenty two years old. You know, just a, a few weeks older than Nick Robertson already. Actually, so he, he's not exactly a baby. But that said, I don't think the Leafs are, are going to want to throw him to the wolves here. Uh, but it can't be any worse than what they've gotten out of Samsonov. And at this point, they just need to keep piling up points and just kind of stay in the race for that division title. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It can't hurt. And that goes both ways for the Leafs and for Hill to be right. Like, yeah. uh, you know, our, our absent co-host had a, a tweet about, you know, Hill to be and, and, you know, us kind of acting like he's, you know, coming right out of the OHL or something. Like you said, he, he's he's an experienced guy. Um, and, you know, like I, I do think that there is a kind of uh, a feel where it's like we act as though, yeah, you know, he's going to need some kind of a support system. He's going to be a broken man for the rest of his life if he gets lit for eight goals in one of his first, you know, it's it's not that big a deal if he, if he you know, doesn't perform well, he goes back down. Uh, it's not well, like he's never expected to be, to be in this position. Yeah, he yeah. was never expected to be in this position this season. So, you know, like a- any kind of positive contribution you can get out of this guy when they really, really need it. Uh, it's just kind of gravy, right? Uh, and again, it's going to kind of impact not just, you know, what we're seeing in the crease, but you saw it in that game against Buffalo a couple of weeks ago when Samsonov was just absolutely atrocious, just got lit up and could not stop a beach ball. It was like after that first goal goes in that never should have had a chance, you see the team sag and, you know, you can criticize them for that all you want. But the reality is it's very hard to play. That's hockey, dude. That's yeah. fucking hockey. That happens at every level, you know? Yeah, it's hard to play in front of a goaltender that you've got zero faith in. And I don't think anyone can blame the Leafs players for not having any faith in Samsonov. Of course, you try to be a good teammate and support your guy and all that. But at some point, you just you need the the guy in the net to hold up his end of the bargain or at least come close to it. They weren't getting that out of Samsonov. So even if Hildeby can come in and you know just spot Martin Jones once in a while here and not be a, a complete black hole in the net – it's going to have you know an overall positive impact on the rest of the team. Well, yeah, and that's all you're looking for, right? Like you said, you know, I, I would expect we're going to see you know Jones tonight in Los Angeles. Hildeby maybe gets the the second half of the back to back against Anaheim. You give Jones the the two games against his former team, and then you know you, you see where you sit after the weekend. Uh, you got San Jose again at home on the ninth, so you know that's not a bad. Uh, you know, game to throw at Hill to be too if he performs well in that in that first one, right? So you got a, a few kind of soft opponents coming up. So that's that's not a bad time to bring him in. Yeah, and I know the coach was playing a bit coy about their plans uh, on the California road trip here, not really committing to starting Hill to be. But I'd still be surprised if they decide to go with Jones on back to back nights uh, rather than starting Hill to be against Anaheim on Wednesday. I think it's just a matter of the coach trying to manage expectations for a young player who, again, was never really expected to be in this position this soon. So, uh, yeah, again, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage the workload here and it's probably going to be kind of like a day-by-day basis with hill to be at this point they're just trying to get him up to speed and get him used to facing nhl shooters even in practice 
but at some point they're going to have to play him here. You can't run Martin Jones into the ground either, and it's going to be a while before Joseph Wall is back. And with the way things have gone for Samsonov this year, it's it's even hard to envision him kind of getting back on track in the American League and finding his way back to the Leafs at any point this season. And and do we have a timeline there? I know it was week to week, but it's been a few weeks now, and it doesn't really sound like we're hearing too much. It almost sounds like, yeah, we're looking at you know the better part of – maybe a month and a half or something before we're we're seeing him here like it was it was the right at the beginning of december so. yeah those high ankle sprains yeah, man especially just... for a goaltender you know you rely on the, that ankle flexion so much to be able to push across your crease and, and things like that uh if, the real concern is that this injury or having injury troubles isn't exactly a new thing for Joseph Wall. So you really just hope that he's able to recover from this in a timely fashion and bounce back and get back to where he was playing before the injury and then, you know, stay healthy the rest of the way. Yeah, no, no rushing back. No, um, no, as much as they need the especially points. Especially with that. Yeah, they, they can't afford to be putting his long-term health at risk, especially, you know, just look at the state of the crease right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't, you don't want... Uh, him to come back for two games and then you got to make a, a plan for the next two months once he uh yeah you know re-injures himself um so yeah it's uh it's a, a real turbulent time in the crease right now we'll see how things play out the next little bit but I, i'm excited to to get a look at at hill to be um yeah you know the the numbers are obviously all so good all the way through it, it i mean it's it just seems like it's time it's not like you're really pressing him into duty either you know it's it, it's he he's pretty much shown out everywhere he's played so it seems like the logical next yeah, it's step. a bit of a perfect storm of the, you know, like a need arising and him also kind of earning the opportunity at the same time not to say that he was going to supplant either one of joseph wall or martin jones uh, without samsonov absolutely cratering but he has performed extremely well in the american hockey league and yeah he, he's been full marks this season and probably deserves this chance so uh aside from the goaltending it's been you know like like i said not a great stretch uh, of late um as far as you know some lineup stuff i guess we could dig into david camp getting scratched is m- maybe a bit of a surprise not necessarily because of the way he's played all year um you would almost think it's overdue if you're looking just at that but of course you know the big contract in the off seasons is a guy that's been very well trusted and relied on by sheldon keefe over the years so uh, he's almost like peripheral core yeah he's been a, a really reliable player you know through the first two seasons in toronto here and that's what helped earn him that contract that you know some of us uh had some concerns over when it was signed but it just hasn't happened for camp this year. And uh, of course, he's been saddled with his typical, you know, slew of defensive zone starts and just being tasked with really difficult minutes. And of course, had Ryan Reeves alongside him for a, a lot of the early part of the season. And that certainly wasn't helping him to drive play or, or get his game going. But th- just even individually, David Camp has not performed up to the level that we've come to expect out of him so far this season. And, you know, I. I get all the concerns about preaching accountability and starting with your fourth line center, but he has been a really integral part of this team and a coach's favorite. And I don't think that the message was completely lost on the rest of the team when when they saw, you know, such a vital part of the lineup over the last two years sitting up in the press box. But, you know, it's going to have to come from the entire team, just cleaning up some of these mistakes and the overall puck management. And I, I get, 
the the concerns with Mariner and some of the things that he's been doing lately. But to to say that Mariner has the same kind of risk management leash that David Camp has would just be completely inaccurate. You know, you're talking about a guy who's been over a point a game for how many seasons now, pushing a hundred points. This is apples and oranges here. You have to give those top guys the freedom to play their game and you know turnovers and mistakes are going to come along with that you you look at go pull up the leaders and giveaways in the nhl this season a lot of good players on that list you have the puck on your stick a lot you're gonna occasionally turn it over or, or make a poor decision now that said mariner definitely has to clean some of that up he hasn't really been himself either this season in my opinion but you know it's it's all a top-down mentality and you really need to see that kind of accountability from the the best guys on the team as well if this is going to kind of permeate through the rest of the group yeah yeah no doubt um i mean with with camp right like it's you know the the margins are so thin when your offensive capabilities are as limited as his are right like the ceiling just isn't there so if you don't have it in any aspect if it's just a consistency thing if your legs just maybe are losing a little bit of juice whatever it is like you know the the margins are so thin and and that's i think a lot of what the concern was at at least for me with with that contract was like you know getting to the point where you know he's 27 now so like it's it's going to start to turn at some point and, and you know you, you don't want to be left holding the bag whenever that comes right and hopefully it's, yeah. it's not just yet but uh, has hasn't been a good uh, showing thus far for sure i just never saw the surplus value or potential for it in that contract right like you look at the the difference between david camp and pontus holmberg for example like is david camp worth a million and a half more than, than Pontus Holmberg playing a fourth line role. I, I, I guess you'd kind of be throwing Holmberg into the fire a little bit and, and playing a bit of a hunch, so to speak. But, you know, he, he looked good in limited action with the Leafs last season. And I thought he played really well when he was in the lineup for David Camp the other night as well. So uh, it, it's, there's a lot to, to be said for kind of the, the lineup, continuity year over year and having a guy who's kind of we've talked about the mercenary thing with this team a lot right kind of like having these guys come in and be here for a year or or two and then they're gone camp is kind of you know embedded himself as like i said a a peripheral core member of this team so it's uh it's going to be tough for him to to get back on track i think just with the makeup of the bottom six and the minutes that he's been tasked with, but we've, we've seen him excel in that role before and hopefully the the message was well received and, you know, he comes back with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. It's been a a bit of a fluctuation on the blue line all year long, right? I mean, (laughs) um, the in and out with the injuries and, and just the, the performances haven't, haven't necessarily been what you'd expect. And I think that we could probably put TJ Brody at the, top of the list on that one and not not been a great season for a guy who's been so steady uh, you know over the, his years as a leaf um and you know we talked about the age thing with with camp like he's you know still like we say mid-20s right like uh brody's a little north of that so it is uh, much more concerning when things are, are starting to slip there and and uh yeah um your thoughts on on brody well, it's kind of strange, right? Because he's been paired up with Morgan Riley for most of the season. And Riley's arguably been playing the best hockey of his career. And, you know, Brody's 
kind of turned around and been the one that's sort of a liability on that pairing. Uh, he just, he, he's, I don't know if he's lost a step or what it is, but his overall puck management and just get, getting back on retrievals and stuff, it, it's not where it was in the last couple of years. Uh, he, he's just kind of getting caught puck watching a lot too, I find. And it, it's just been kind of uncharacteristic compared to what we've seen out of him in the first few seasons. He's been in Toronto. Uh, he's a guy that needs to be better, but I think it, it comes back to what we talked about earlier in the season, you know, when all the rumors about Nikita Zadorov and all that were happening. You don't need another third pair guy. You, you know, Simone Benoit has come in and really grabbed a hold of, of a job by just playing a solid defensive game, being physical, and just making the safe, smart play consistently. What they need is another guy who's going to come in and be able to maybe push TJ Brody down to more manageable minutes. And, you know, that's where the focus should be heading into the trade deadline, I think, because it's, again, it's hard to imagine that TJ Brody is going to have some kind of late career resurgence and start, you know, developing into a better player than what we're seeing right now. Like the regression has started and I don't think it's, it's going to stop at this point. Not to say that he can't be an important piece of this team, but I just think that he's been kind of tasked with too much for this stage of his career and it's starting to show. Yeah, that's it. You got to start to limit his exposure a little bit. Certainly when you start talking about playoffs, right? Like I think that maybe well, we saw it last year, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. And yeah, I, I think that it would be irresponsible to, you know, go into the playoffs again, expecting him to be that shutdown guy again, when he, you know, has basically shown you over the last 12 months that, you know, it may not be there anymore. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe when, when Keith returns, uh, it's going to be a good old fashioned, Trade deadline target chat time with <laughs> all the defensive options because, yeah, I, I think an addition is going to be needed there. Yeah, well, that's it, they entered the season with that being kind of the, the primary area of focus in terms of upgrading the roster, and I don't think that's changed. You know, Not to say there aren't holes elsewhere, especially with, with everything going on in the crease, but it, we talk about it all the time. There's a little bit less certainty with what you're a- acquiring when you're going after a goaltender, especially mid-season like this. When you're when you're up against it, no one's throwing you a life jacket, right? They're throwing you an anchor. Um, so I, I still think that the primary focus is going to remain on the blue line, and then they'll go from there and, and see how to best utilize the assets they have available to them. Yeah, I'm already excited about this episode now, just about – you know, cooking up some, it feels like it's been a while since we've been, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the trade target beat. So I'm looking (laughs) forward to that. Uh, I am also excited about the Austin Matthews to win the rocket Richard futures that I'm sitting on at the moment, because he is just going to coast to it, isn't he? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I missed the boat on that one this year. I still kind of living high off my, uh, my mid-season bet a couple of years ago before he won the heart that that cashed out pretty big for me but i didn't get in on the the rocket odds this year and i don't think there's much point in, in dropping much money on it now with the, with the uh, season that he's been putting together like what a ridiculous december for matthews hey eh? and oh man you look at his overall numbers right goals. now yeah 15 goals in a month and, and look where he's sitting at this point in the season when we were talking about you know for three or four weeks in, in november that you know, he didn't really have it. He wasn't at his best. He wasn't playing up to his capabilities. <laughs> and, you know, when you get 
Austin Matthews clicking along at 100% like we've seen in the last few weeks. This is what you get. Like he, it's he's a generational goal scorer. He could go down as one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. That's the way he's tracking right now. It's going to be a, a matter of sustaining it over a, a long career and staying healthy and all that. But it, we're just so fortunate to have this guy in Toronto. And, and there's not much to to say about him at this point, other than soak this up and don't take it for granted i know it's easy to get caught up in the ups and downs of wins and losses all the time but we are watching one of the the greatest players to ever do it really and and to have him in toronto uh, it's it's really special and tonight he's in hollywood (laughs) i I feel does he like the bright lights i feel like he might step up for uh uh, for another nice evening. I, I just have a hunch. Well, and it hasn't seemed to matter who he's playing with. We've seen Mariner and Nylander kind of flip-flop back and forth on the right side of the, the line with Matthews. And he, he's just continued to find ways to get open and bury his shots regardless of, of who he's been playing with. So he's been on quite a tear, man. It, it's it's really been a pleasure to watch. Yeah, uh, it, always a treat. And yeah, when he's when he's on a run like that, it's just it's unbelievable. So, uh, unfortunately, there was a hockey game earlier today that didn't pan out so well for Team Canada. They're done at the World Juniors uh, in the quarterfinals. Kind of a, a bit of poetic justice, I guess, for Czechia, right? Like, they were the finalists last year. And, and I went back and watched the highlights from the gold medal game last year. And the parallels are wild. Like, that was... a. A 2 nothing lead for Canada, if you remember. Czechia scored twice late, tied it up, went to overtime. Canada pulls it out. Just the opposite in this one. Um, tough tough end for the, uh, the Canadians. What a heartbreaker. I mean, it, the, the way that they controlled play for the, the last two periods of that game, all the chances that they had, and to, to lose it on a, a bounce such as that in the dying seconds off what really should have been a nothing play or a play that shouldn't have even happened. It's just heartbreaking when you, when you consider the way they battled back and took control of the game. Uh, yeah, just not really much else to say aside from a, a really tough blow, but this Canadian roster never really seemed like it, it had the juice that we've seen in previous years. Did it? No. And you know, that's, that was a bit of a feeling like when I, I saw that they cut Jagger Furcus, who has been such yeah. a good goal scorer. And I was like, Oh, I, that seems like one of those just classic, you know, Canada team, Canada overthinking it and, and leaving a guy who should be there at home because he's not going to play a quote unquote fourth line role or whatever. And then, yeah, you know, you, you have trouble putting the puck in the net at times in the tournament. And that's the margin, right? Like the, I feel like in these tournaments, like it's, you know, the, the, the talent disparity can be so wide compared to the yeah. NHL, right? Where you just, you got to make sure you have the most talented guys there because uh, you know, you, you never know what, uh, what kind of jumps these guys take from year to year. And all of a sudden you're, you're running up against uh, uh, you know, a, a Swedish team or, you know, even a Czech team that, that is just way more talented than uh, you, you maybe were expecting them to be. And, and now you're in trouble, right? Or you run into a, a goaltending performance like, like they had at a couple of, of points right so it's you know that's all it takes yeah and it seemed like canada kind of leaned into that, that more like worker b style uh, of putting the roster together you know maybe they overcompensated a little bit or maybe they didn't diversify their lineup enough with guys like Fergus. 
but they also had a couple of tough losses before the tournament even started. Uh, you know, the, the blue line was thin going in. And then to lose Tristan Luno, who has played NHL games this season, along with Tanner Molendyke, who is probably one of the better puck movers that they would have had uh, on the back end. Losing those guys before the tournament certainly didn't help, but there just wasn't enough offensive punch there overall. And, and, you know, again, you see it when they're able to generate chances like they were today against the Czechs, a lot of it off the four check and just hard work along the boards, but uh, unable to, you know, just make that one extra play to get the puck into the back of the net. And uh, yeah, definitely disappointing. I, I will say I thought today's game w- was Easton Cowan's best of the tournament. I thought he had a, a pretty rough showing through the first couple yeah. of games. You know, Little flashes of the player that we've seen in the Ontario League this year, but definitely wasn't consistent with it. I thought you know that line that he was on with Matt Potra and uh, Matt Savoy to start the tournament, they just seemed, you know, really disjointed. I thought they were arguably the worst line uh, for the Canadian team through the first few games. You started seeing things get shuffled around a bit, and I thought Cowan was really, really good against the Czechs today. Had that really nice assist on Canada's first goal uh, when Matthew Wood brought them to within one. He was physical. He set up a couple of really, really high-quality chances in the third period that just weren't able to find the back of the net. Braden Yeager put that one off the post after Cowan found him in the slot. But oh, yeah, uh, that yeah, was tough. The, overall, they left a lot of meat on the bone. And, uh, you know, it's going to be disappointing for Minton, especially as the captain, and he's going to wear a lot of it. But I thought he was solid, and it's more a a symptom of, you know, the the overall roster construction and maybe, you know, having different expectations for players than what they're really capable of. Like, Fraser Minton made the NHL to start the season this year as a 19-year-old, not because of his high-end offensive ability, but because of his, you know, mature, refined two-way game, and obviously a huge honor for him to, you know, wear the C for for Canada at this tournament, first time he's ever suited up for Canada internationally. So that was really cool. But I, one thing that I, kind of bothered me throughout the tournament was I thought he was kind of being mis not I don't want to say miscast, but maybe underutilized when they lined him up on the wing for the entire tournament. Like you're looking at a kid who's the the hallmark of his game is that you know, strong two-way play, kind of being able to come back and down low in his own end, start the play from back there and help move the puck up the ice. And, you know, I felt like his game was kind of muted a little bit on the wing. And, you know, he's not the guy that's going to help to generate a whole lot of offense on his own, especially playing in a a position that he hasn't played a whole lot of in the last year and a bit. But, uh, yeah, overall kind of an underwhelming performance from both Minton and Cowan, and that's kind of par for the course of what we saw from the rest of the team. Yeah, it was uh, a disappointing showing. Hopefully, though, they'll be able to kind of parlay that into a strong finish in their respective junior leagues the rest of the way. Yeah, and Cowan could have a chance to come back next year. You know, assuming he's yeah. not with the, with the Leaf set of camp or in the in the first half of next season, uh, I, I'd say he's a pretty strong candidate to return and probably be a, a part of the leadership group as Minton was this season. Yeah, that that seems like a, a sure thing, like you said, provided he's not in the lineup, which is far from a, a sure thing based on how he showed in uh, training camp this year. He could definitely uh, uh, be a guy who maybe forces his way in there, but that's uh, a little way down the road. Yeah. Um, tell you what's not down the road is uh, the PWHL, which is underway now, the first 
game of the new professional women's league uh, was on New Year's Day, uh, Toronto versus New York. Um, tough showing for the Toronto <laughs> squad, uh, which we're used to talking about on this show. So, um, yeah, Nick, you got to you got to watch that one. What was your uh, takeaway from the game, and also from you know everything? Uh, uh, surrounding the game and and you know the obviously landmark day that it was well i don't know if it's just because uh, i'm a, a girl dad or because i'm a, a big softy who can't keep his emotions in check but it definitely it got a little dusty in here at the beginning of the game watching jana hefford come out with billy jean king and just kind of seeing you know what it meant to all those women and and everyone else that's played a huge part in getting this league off the ground so that was really cool. Obviously, a very momentous occasion. But I, I thought the game was really entertaining. You know, it obviously didn't go the way uh, Toronto would have liked. But I thought they had a lot of good chances. Maybe didn't get to the inside as much as they would have liked. Uh, Kareen Schroeder in the New York net was stellar. She was the star of the game, no question. Yeah. And it, I, I just thought overall the game had a lot of energy, a lot of intensity, and it was very physical. Like, I, I don't it know. It was if, crazy physical. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you know, how far they plan on straying from the traditional rules of, of the women's game, but that was one of the more physical women's hockey games that I've ever seen. Oh, and, yeah. And I, I, I thought it was a great first impression for, you know, people who may have been tuning in with no real great intent of following the league, but maybe checking in on the first game just to kind of watch that that debut and see a new league get off the ground. I, I think that game would have left an impression on a lot of fans who were maybe checking out women's hockey for the first time. Yeah, they were letting them play. And I and I feel like maybe maybe Toronto kind of was a little slower to the to the hop on, on that note. Like, yeah. Like it felt like New York got away with a lot early, and and Toronto maybe took a little while to realize like okay we we can play this game, and it, once they did, I mean they, you know there were some Emma Malte. I was just gonna new, say once new, she realized <laughs> that she could play that way, like I, I, her eyes lit up, and she yeah, was we, just all over it, man. We're a fan pod of Emma Malte now. She rules, um, and, and yeah, threw a couple of big hits. Like it was uh, very physical, generated chances with her speed. Yeah. Yeah, she was awesome, man. Like she was, yeah, definitely my early candidate for favorite player on the, the Toronto team. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was a really great um, uh, start, and yeah, obviously very significant. Great broadcast too. I, I really enjoyed, um, yeah. you know, w- what they brought uh, on the CBC broadcast, and yeah, a lot of fun. We'd um, be remiss if we didn't uh, mention, you know, we talked about. Uh, Fraser Minton getting to wear the C for Team Canada. We got Nova Scotia representing here in uh, PWHL so Toronto. Nova Scotia yeah, rep. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's starting you know behind the bench with Troy Ryan, of course, but leading the way on the ice and in the locker room. Blair Turnbull named uh, the first captain in uh, PWHL Toronto history. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I guess I kind of just figured it end up being Sarah Nurse, you know, the, yeah. the Toronto gal, and 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 uh, sure enough, it's it's Blair. Did Turnbull. she even get an A? I don't think Nurse I, got a letter at all. Did she? I'm, I'm not. I don't. I don't recall i think that uh, i know that Larock got an a and I, I don't remember who else was wearing one but um, i think spooner perhaps uh, anyway maybe yeah um in, in any case she's going to be a, a star there maybe they'll alternate them in on road games or whatever who knows yeah but, um 
yeah, really excited for for this season. Um, and also, I mean, like like you said, uh, Blair Turnbull. You got Jill Saulnier. She scored. She was on uh, the New York side uh, yep. for nothing. Right was the final. Um, to note that as well, New York got the the win there. But um, lots of other East Coast representation too, including. Uh, Carly Jackson, who, like, I've heard the name Carly Jackson plenty because, you know, she's had a, a nice run in, uh, you know, the, the various other leagues, um, you know, the NWHL, the, um, PHF, PHL, uh, PHF um, but, but like, you know, I, I know that she, she has a good rep, had no idea she was from Amherst and <laughs> she played in the junior B league. So, I mean, listen, we love Jill. We love Blair. They didn't play against the fucking straight pirates. So <laughs> this is like, we're, we're on board now. Carly Jackson. Uh, I, I don't know if she's the, the backup or the third stringer right now, but, um, uh, we're excited well, there's also Allie Monroe with Toronto yep. as well. Good Yarmouth girl, uh, too. So. Yep. Yeah, a ton of East Coast representation overall. You know, Maggie Connors with Toronto as well, uh, Newfoundland, St. John's. So, yeah, yeah. So d- definitely uh, well represented on the East Coast here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, excited for the uh, excited for the season, and uh, uh, it's it's off and running. So uh, looking forward to to supporting. I, I definitely encourage you to tune in and check out uh, one of these games if if you didn't have plans of it already because uh, it, it's been really high quality hockey in the early going for sure and exciting to see the turnout as well you know like every Toronto home game has been sold out they're set to uh, establish a new record for attendance at a professional women's hockey game in North America tonight when Ottawa takes on Montreal there's expected to be like something around 8,800 people in the building for that one so just a, a really exciting and encouraging start for the league overall yeah absolutely hey Nick you want to remember a leaf what do you got? Do you remember Frederick Modine? How could I forget Freddie Modine? Oh, man. He played alongside Mats for, for a minute there. Uh, big, big hulking Swede, a power forward kind of guy. I, I love Freddie Modine back in the day. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I remember Freddie Modine more as like a, a Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. you know, than anything. He obviously spent a lot more time there, won a cup there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he started with, with the Leafs. Um, and you know, we, we love a, a big Swedish power forward, right? So, um, Freddie Modine, there you go. I, I think the, the early days of my Leafs fandom definitely, uh, had a large influence on my affinity for Swedish hockey players. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on that note, William Nylander still ripping shit, which will, <laughs> continue to address when uh, we have Keith back uh, next time around. Um, Nick, uh, before we, we finish up here, I just, I needed to touch on something that literally everyone else can tune out. Now this is just for you and I, Uh, but um, fantasy football. Okay. (laughs) Man, I'm things went fucking bad. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Listen. So for those who hadn't been following along on Twitter, um, I mean, this is like you, you had a, a tough go as well. Like we had a situation yeah. where like, you know, I, I had the best record in your league. You had the best record in my league. Uh, it didn't go well for, for either of us. Like I have five leagues going. Okay. I made the playoffs <laughs> in all but one. Okay. That one third highest scoring team, 500 record. I just missed the playoffs. Okay. Whatever. All right. My one quarter final, 
I lose a high-scoring matchup where the other matchup is, is basically two guys playing in the sandbox, you know? <laughs> Whatever, okay? I, I've still got my strongest three leagues to go, okay? Same thing happens in uh, the semifinal in my league, which in this case, you were the one playing patty cakes <laughs> while I scored 170, uh, 147 points and lost. And, and then in the semifinal of my redraft league, which is the big pot, of the year, you know, 153 points, lose by two. Highest scoring Ugh. team in week 17, watching along from the consolation final. And Ugh. somehow, somehow after all of that, I the worst foolishly one of thought <laughs> that throughout the day on Sunday, I thought at least I still have a chance to win Nick's league. Friends, at, at this point, I don't have to tell you that I did not win Nick's league. Lost not only did you not win. Point one. Point one. Which equates to one single yard from any one of your running backs, wide receivers, or tight ends A yard over the from course of, of an entire weekend. Just one. That and that's, uh, and here's the killer, right? Like there are, so, I I could go full ESPN stats and info on this shit because there are so many permutations of this thing that uh, it, it, where it went wrong. I could have made any different start sit decision and one okay I, I for the purpose of this i went and i looked at the bench points and i kind of wish i hadn't okay our buddy cluey okay a lot of people probably at follow cluey on, on twitter on, on twitter as well uh you know he 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 had a great season we both did uh but you know he, he was pretty banged up like he 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 milked what he could out of his team he had 18.7 bench points okay i had 136 <laughs> 136 on my bench that's more than i had in the goddamn matchup uh i i actually outscored him on position players by 0.9 and he got me on the the kickers and the defensive team by one point so that, that oh. swung it as well like you could look at it all the different ways that it could have kind of swung you know that's yeah. a real real bad beat my friend mm. it was one of the worst yeah just one it's of the one worst. thing when that happens like in the middle of the season but for that to happen and lose such a close matchup in the championship week that's uh yeah that's a tough one i, I guess i know which way you would vote on uh whether we should include kickers uh, moving forward. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about f- fantasy football for another six months at this point. It's, uh, yeah. I don't even know. I, I might not even include this in the podcast when you listen back to it, but you know, this might just be a fucking peer therapy session and I can just cut the whole well, it's thing all right. out. Get it out, man. That, that, that's what we're here for. You know, <laughs> like these things can be really tough to handle. I, I know, you know, some people might laugh at it, but uh, you put a lot of time into this sort of thing. And when there's a, uh, you know, kind of big time money on the line, it, we're not talking millions of dollars here by any means, but a, a nice bit of a chunk of change to to move into the new year with would have been nice. That's uh, yeah, that's a tough one, bud. Yeah. What can you do? That's fantasy sports, baby. Yeah. I mean, you're used to. Uh, Plenty of sports-related disappointment. You know. Oh, yeah. I've had my senses <laughs> dulled on all kinds of fronts on that, for sure. Oh, well, my. Uh, thank you, sir. We will uh, bring Mr. Whipple back into the loop uh, very soon, and uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of goaltending calamities we've got to talk about next week. Go, let's go. Go, let's go.